0: We'll go ahead and start with prayer. Since we're so tightly packed in here, you don't have to stand up, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, Heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, watch over our are present and filleth all things, Treasure of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls a good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Do we have any... You know what? Have a couple extra. A couple extra. The most important thing... Syllabus is great. I can get you an extra syllabus. I want everybody probably to have a copy of this. Does everyone have a copy of this one? Yes. No. For, those seeking. For those seeking truth? No. Here. I've got a copy too. I have it already. <laughs> you have it memorized, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, welcome to the beginning of catechumen classes uh, here at St. Anne's. We're going to go over the syllabus real quick, uh, so you have an idea of what you're in for, uh, et cetera, OK? So the catechumenate, let's just start with that as we get into this. The catechumenate was the basically the process in which the early church received people into the church. Uh, In the book of Acts, you'll notice almost, I think, besides one, everyone that is encountered is a God-fearing Gentile, which means they're already going to the synagogue, or they already knew about Israel and the God of Israel, so instantaneous or baptism that night uh, was the order of things, right? They already knew the God of Israel, they knew the scriptures, they knew the basic outline, and they knew they were awaiting a Messiah. So. Fast forward to basically right after that, and then you have a process by which you needed to bring people into the church. This really got formalized once Christianity was legalized. Because now you have an influx of people into the church, because now it's uh, gathering uh, wasn't a death sentence. Okay? So what happened is the church then said, okay... We now have a huge influx of people that are not ready to die for Christ in the same way before, right? Like you had like the Marines before, now you're getting everybody starting to come in. So we need to teach them what's going on before we bring them into, say, the Holy of Holies, actually the reception of communion to the depths of the church. So the catechumenate was, uh, early on, it was actually more focused on formation of the virtues of putting aside uh, practices or a way of life uh, than it was in what we like to do now is scour the internet, YouTube, Wikipedia, we maybe found Orthodox Wikipedia now, uh, all sorts of talks, uh, PDFs, books, etc. And then because we're Americans, we like to read, read, absorb, absorb, get as much knowledge and make sure that we know everything is... But that was, that's the inverse of what the catechumenate was. Uh, it doesn't mean not learning things, but the catechumenate, uh, you didn't actually learn the Our Father or the Creed until you are actually baptized and brought into the church. That is when you actually learned some of the heart of uh, the life of the church. You'll notice for now, we, it, it probably, you probably maybe don't notice that we say catechumens depart, and we have this where you come forward and then you walk back to your spots catechumens depart historically meant catechumens you are no longer welcome into the assembly you now are escorted out because we're now entering into where there's a bridge of litanies that we then enter into the mystery of holy communion so one way of talking about uh, inquire i'll probably talk to most of you there are some new faces uh even this morning which is great uh but inquiring into the Orthodox Church, there's the kind of the flirting dating stage where you're like, is this going to be a good fit? Uh, what about that? I don't know about that. And then there is, okay, I do want to move forward. Maybe say like, I'm going to put a finger on a uh, finger on it, <laughs> a ring on that uh, so that I'm moving forward towards marriage. The catechumen is basically moving forward and being serious intention of wedding so that's the same in the catechumenate you are being brought into so that you can enter into the bridal chamber uh, but that you're prepared to actually enter into so a lot of the focus in the early church you you would have a sponsor and you'll see here uh, about sponsors in a little bit but the sponsor is basically they were saying yes this person has changed their life around they are no longer you know just getting drunk just to get drunk they're not you know uh going to the pagan temples like all this stuff they're basically vouching and saying yes i can say that this person's life has turned around then they were brought into the church baptized and brought in so you can see the way the early church thought about these things is a lot different than we think you get baptized or typically in america you get baptized you get or oh, hold on sorry you get <laughs> saved then at some point you get baptized That's different than the way i grew up but uh and then you start working on stuff, but the, the church says we need to start this formation because this catechumen is the time we start creating the habits, the roots to dig down deep so that you, when you enter into the fullness of the church, reception of Holy Communion, uh, that you are firmly planted and ready to go. Because the catechumen is also a time of, I'll say, demonic uh, intervention, attack, uh, etc. things. I've known many experiences where things just get a little crazy. I don't mean crazy as in like pea soup crazy here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I mean crazy as in like, what am I doing or like relationship issues or like a dryness of spirit that maybe before you've never experienced before. These are all things that happen. uh, So be prepared for that as you're going through this, especially as you come up to the date of reception uh, into the church, into the church. So, for us, uh, part of this, as I'm talking about the catechumen as a holistic uh, entry into the church. Uh, so that is, I'm not denigrating knowledge. You, you do need to read. <laughs> you do need to come and learn, uh, so that you, your praxis. Praxis is just a Greek way of saying practice, and it's just kind of one of the. You're going to learn a lot of vocabulary in the Orthodox Church that you didn't know before. Uh, so you are going to learn about the practice of the faith, uh, the praxis, what that means to follow after Jesus Christ uh, in the way in which the church envelops you. Basically, the early fathers, uh, St. Augustine talks about uh, God is my father, but the church is my mother. That this womb that we have, the liturgy, they'll even talk about the divine liturgy as a womb, so that it's preparing... Christ to be born within us so that we are then born into uh, the fullness of the afterlife and into the heavens after this. So in order to engage with and enter into the Orthodox Church, these classes are essential. This isn't just kind of a nice thing that you do and then expect to be received into the church. Uh, If you're super spotty and attend to this, then we're going to wait a while because that means you're not really ready it would kind of be like if you wanted to marry somebody and they were kind of like dating on the side or (laughs) didn't show up a few times for some dates, right? Or and then they like, yes, got a, a ring, but you know, you see the analogy here, like this is serious business and that means on top of attendance at the catechesis classes I would underline just as important, if not more important is regular attendance at the divine services. That means divine liturgy is on Sunday mornings of course. But it also means trying to, it depends on what your schedule is, etc. But as much as possible to come to other services as well. Because the church has uh, we have weekly services especially this upcoming week we have a a feast for the Mother of God her Nativity. Uh, If you want to know and learn about the Orthodox faith, especially the theology, you go to the services because you will hear the hymnody and the hymnody teaches you what the church thinks about these things. Now this hymnody echoes with scripture so it also presumes you know scripture. So at the same time, uh, I come in to pick up, and we'll look at this here in a minute with this other, pick up one of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, I would suggest, or Luke, uh, or Mark, if you need a little bit shorter of a read. But slowly read through one of those Gospels. If you have the ability, you can read through the whole New Testament, because this catechesis, uh, we're going to be doing basically two semesters. The goal, the telos of this, is reception on Lazarus Saturday. Lazarus Saturday is the Saturday before Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter for us, Okay. So again, I'm trying to go a mile a minute, or 50,000 miles a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have a question, raise your hand. Uh, But we're going to be doing two semesters worth. You can see this outline here of Uh, the chapters and the reason there's multiple reasons why we're spending this much time Uh, one is for everyone to be able to soak as much as possible uh, in thinking about and discerning orthodoxy and learning orthodoxy Uh, this book we chose uh, and then used it to kind of create the outline because it is um, a good introduction to the orthodox faith you'll see at the back of the um, syllabus that we have. I have some other books or resources uh, that you're welcome to look into, but this is going to be the textbook. Like, this is a class, so this is a textbook. This means this isn't like a undergraduate where you can just fake it. you like, you really do need to read these chapters, and we're doing it slowly, so it's a chapter a week or so, and these are not dense chapters. Some may be a little bit denser than others, but this is uh, a chapter uh, a week is about uh, a serious blog post in length, okay, it's not that bad. Uh, what I would suggest is you come up with questions, uh, you bring those questions, ask those questions, because basically there's going to be a team of us teaching this, you can see a roster of those who will be teaching. Uh, I will be in and out, it just depends on the week and responsibilities that I have. Uh, I should be and I want to be here for most of them, so if there's a particular question that uh, needs to be volleyed over to me. Uh, The catechist. we have a few of the catechists here right now. Uh, This is Terry Mattingly, this is Reader Gregory, uh, and Lynn. Am I missing anyone? Uh, Father Deacon will also be teaching some, Reed Davis will also be teaching some, and we'll see about John Suits. He's got little ones. So, uh, you can see, obviously, some TBDs about who's going to be teaching, but uh, don't worry about that. Uh, if there are particular questions the catechists, uh, that they feel like is above their pay grade or something that is specific to, like, pastoral care or something, uh, they'll let, they'll either let me know or you they'll say, ask Father Daniel about that, okay? All right, I'm going to slow down for just a second and stop. Does anyone have any questions about what I've... Laid out so far. So we're welcome at every service. Yeah, absolutely. the The boundary in the Orthodox Church is sacraments. If you if you are in the church, then you are able to receive uh, the sacraments: Eucharist, uh, confession, etc. In the catechumenate, once you are blessed to be a catechumen, uh, and we'll go over those prayers real quick. The time is it? We'll see if I go over those prayers. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Um, you are basically brought in, so if you were, God forbid to die, you, would, you could be, uh, depending on family, because there's always but if you would be buried as an Orthodox Christian be given an Orthodox burial. Uh, but it is basically that you are in uh, transition into becoming uh, fully received into the church. OK? Good question.
1: If if we're traveling or something like that and we do have to miss a class, uh, it's acceptable to make
0: it up on the podcast or the one that you're going to upload? So yes, the reason why I'm doing the recording is uh, that if you have to uh, be absent, uh, we have a recording for you. Uh, You'll notice we tried in these, so for example, in November, there's only two meetings. You can probably guess why we, Thanksgiving, right? So uh, just the Sunday before and after, and then also around Christmas, we also uh, take a break. Basically, the last one is December 18th, and then we start up on January 1st.
1: Where can we find the recordings?
0: The recordings, I think... I haven't decided yet, but I believe since everybody said they're fine with us recording it, they're just going to. I'm going to make another stream of podcasts and send out a link to where then you can find on Apple Podcasts <coughs> or Spotify or whatever you use to be able to, to download them. So there won't
1: be a homepage on the, there won't be a page on the CNN website?
0: That we can put the podcast on there. But one link on, to get, yeah. Yeah. There's also, uh, the the way that we, the uploader that we use also does a website that we'll have the link to, too. So you can find it on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but you can also go to a website if that is how you like to listen to things and just press play and listen to it there, okay? (coughs) Any other questions? (coughs) All right. Uh, One of the other required, if we go back to required elements of catechesis, besides regular attendance at the divine services, uh, is meeting with myself to discuss uh, initiation. The first is just kind of a general introduction. Who are you? Where do you come from? Why are you here? That kind of stuff, right? So that I have a general idea of who you are. Uh, And so that you can also get a little bit of an idea of who I am, that I can also then make a decision about becoming catechumen, etc. Those who are not, haven't been blessed to be catechumens yet, uh, basically, it's roughly coming for about a month, having this discussion with me. uh, And then, you know, if you're like, oh, I don't know, I, I think I might really want to become Roman Catholic, and maybe I'm looking at orthodoxy too, I might say, well, come to the classes. And we'll have another meeting and discuss things. Okay, uh, you don't coming to this class doesn't. Uh, if you were to come to this class for three months, and you're made a catechumen in December, but you've been regularly coming and discerning in all that time, uh, then we could see about being brought in Elijah Saturday. It wouldn't mean that like you, if you are like right now, like not a catechumen. You're like, oh no, I need to become a catechumen as quick as possible, otherwise. The, the door will shut, and I won't be able to get in that that's not how we're going to do things. The basic idea here for the time frame because we're talking about what September, october, November, December, January, February, March, about seven, eight months or so until reception so that gives you some time because uh, there's also things if you have questions about orthodoxy, some people come into the orthodox Church and they're just like you tell me what to believe, and I will believe it, because this is the church, and, like, I don't have anything. Like, I bring nothing. I'm bereft. Please let me know, okay? Others come in, they're like, I don't know about this Mary thing. I don't know about this prayers for the dead. I don't know about, right? That's fine. This gives you the time and space, and to going through this book to be able to understand better uh, what the orth- Orthodox Church actually believes, to, uh, Again, I'm gonna go back to you're dating somebody, right? About two or three months in, you start to know who they are, right? They start to reveal themselves. They also get to know you. And so they can start calling you out And you're just like, okay, if we're gonna continue with this, this is probably what it's going to be like for the rest of my life. (laughs) And it's true, right? Everyone who's married goes, "Uh uh-huh, even dating like this. You, You get to an understanding within a few months. So it is okay. Uh, well, I would prefer, of course, for you to stay through the entire thing, be received in the church, and stay and live happily, happily ever after. Be buried in the church. You know, we pray for you. Afterwards, right? That would be great. So, there is freedom in all of this. If you can come, you can come next year and do it all over again too, and then be received. There's no pressure to have to like. If you come into this class, you are signing the dotted line to convert. Okay. That also means on the other end of that is uh, going through this process, going through the catechism classes etc doesn 't also mean that you get the golden ticket in order to be received chrismation or baptism. This is something that I need to discern with you if it 's where you 're at so if you 're really struggling with x, y and Z and you need a little bit more time or there 's family stuff going on etc that 's fine okay there's there 's no pressure so as we are Uh, going through these classes, attending church, uh, getting to know people, this is another important part, is getting to know people uh, here at the church, because you're not just uh, joining some kind of ethereal thing called the Orthodox Church or you know a discord channel or a YouTube channel or a Twitter thread, right? You are joining a group of people, this is St. Anne's, this is a body of Christ here uh, that you need to be grafted into. Uh, so that you are known, so that you come to know others. If you don't do this, it becomes really hard to get a sponsor or to find somebody who can vouch for you and say like, yes, I know this person, uh, yes, I will be their sponsor, yes, I will pray for them, uh, etc. If you'll see at the bottom, uh, you will need to find a godparent or a sponsor. It's basically the same uh, name, different label. Uh, you must discuss your choice with the priest prior to asking the potential sponsor. The sponsor will need to be approved to be your sponsor by the priest. Typically, the sponsor will act as a mentor in the faith. And the sponsor usually provides a baptismal cross for the catechumen. Uh, there's all sorts of different arrangements, and we can get into a little bit more details later on. So, this do- doesn't mean going a coffee hour thinking, like, who, who am I going to find a sponsor <laughs> in the next, like, two weeks. Like it will reveal itself to you over time. They will become known, you'll be like, I know this person really well, uh, they're here consistently, I've asked them questions, they've helped me uh, enter into the church. Yeah. Second uh, is then you also need to uh, be uh, praying and thinking about a patron saint. So the Christian name is the name of a person's patron saint and serves as one's first name, especially at the chalice. Right When, you're, when you come up to receive Holy Communion, uh, if your name was, I don't know, Mitchell, right? I don't know of a Christian saint named Mitchell, but your middle name is Andrew. Uh, I would commend to you, I'm, some of you don't have like a Christian first name, then you, and, but you have a second, like your middle name is Andrew, which like, okay, yes, <laughs> that's an easy Christian name, then that was... What would you? Sorry, the name that you would be received by, either chrismation or baptism, you would take on an Andrew. There's many different Andrews. Uh, You could do the first called apostle. There's like Andre Rublev, who painted the Holy Trinity icon, etc. So this is patron saints. This is a saint uh, that you choose to basically be your heavenly patron. They're kind of like your godparent in heaven. They are. Uh, one that you are specifically uh attached to, because in the Orthodox faith, this is all basically a family affair. This is not you and Jesus and nobody else as you' notice like it 's you, Jesus, Virgin Mary, uh the saints, and then everybody else, and then everybody else has lived in the faith previous to that too, right like it is we are brought into heaven, into the heavenly courtroom of God, and we're all present in the divine liturgy especially, but every time we pray, we're also brought into the very presence of God, surrounded by his heavenly host, the angels, and all of his, the faithful ones. So, finding a Christian name, a lot of you already have Christian names, so when I came into the church, uh, I have two, uh, my name is Daniel Jacob, right? My dad was a minister. We were all like, Old Testament name, New Testament name, New Testament name, Old Testament... Like, that was how all the boys were named. Uh, I highly... uh, Not pressure, but if you already have a Christian name, just stick with your name. That probably means, like, if we have Nicholas, just be Nicholas, okay? (laughs) You don't need to be Nicodemus. You don't need to be... uh, uh, Barsanufius, you don't need to be uh, Athanasia, right? Which is just a Slavic form of Athanasius. You don't need to be that. Uh, if you are like, Athanasius appeared to me in a dream, he slapped me upside the head and said, I need to get into the church, I might budge on that. <laughs> but he's going to have to appear to me too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what I'm suggesting to you is if you already have a good Christian name, there's no reason for you to have to go fishing for another name. If, like I'm saying, if, if there is a saint that just really, you know, bowls you over, then talk to me about it, and we can come to some agreement, okay? I'm always going to have my dithers and, like, push a certain way, but if you're just like, no, Athanasius appeared to me, slapped me upside the head and said, I need to get my butt to church, okay, then I can accept Athanasius, Okay? Any questions about sponsors or patron saints?
1: So, uh, the sponsors just for the baptism or? Yes,
0: so your godparent or your sponsor is for baptism or chrismation. Okay. Yes? Um, if you've been previously immersed baptized, do you just do chrismation or do you do baptism? So, uh, those who have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. I need a baptismal certificate. Uh, this is something. Somebody has actually sent me a video of them being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, this is more legitimate than a piece of paper that says you were. Mm-hmm. So that was no problem. I doubt many of you have a, ba- like a, a video of you being baptized. That was special. Uh, in a good way. The <laughs> uh, so uh, the reason for this is that uh, what becomes challenging is there's a lot of low church... By low church, I mean, like, bab- I call them kind of Bapticostal. It's just kind of like <laughs> a, a broad term, umbrella term. Or, like, I grew up Church of Christ, which <coughs> there's no roll book or, like, record book of, like, I was baptized on such and such uh, in the name of the, you know, the Trinity. So I need some kind of copy of that. Some books, some, sorry, churches will have, like, just, they'll even have, like, a book, and you just take a picture, and they'll email it to you, and just email it to mm-hmm. me, and that should be fine. If you don't have that Archbishop Alexander would say that you need to be conditionally baptized which is basically uh, you're being baptized uh, we're just making sure so I would say the servant of God Mark mm-hmm. is conditionally baptized in the name of the Father, the Son we do three times uh, immersion Okay, so if you've been baptized by the Son and Holy Spirit you've got your certificate uh, then we would chrismate you which is way the early church uh, Every baby, every person who is baptized is also chrismated, but if you've already been baptized, chrismation uh, was a way of reconciling people to the church who were baptized outside of uh, the canonical church at the time. Okay?
1: What are you looking for in a sponsor?
0: What are you looking for in a sponsor? Somebody who's faithful. Somebody who's here, somebody who could be able to uh, basically guide you to certain things. That doesn't mean they have that when they die. We know that they're going to be canonized one day or something like that. They just need to be a good, faithful Christian here. Okay. Any other questions? So, good. Um, one, of the last thing required in here is develop a personal rule of life, a rule of prayer and fasting which will be discussed with and blessed by Father Daniel. I would say that would be uh, happening in that second (laughs) meeting because we've got at least two meetings uh, to sit down and get an idea of where you're at uh, with the Orthodox faith, questions you have. This doesn't mean that I can only meet you twice and that's that and there's no others unless you pay me or (laughs) something like that. It's just, this is, I at least two times Especially since we have, this is the largest class of catechumens that we've had. Uh, it's just making sure that you get it in. Because what will happen very quickly, as you can probably, like all of a sudden it's going to be February. <laughs> and if all of you end up coming into the church around that time, that's a lot of uh, life confessions, so that is one of the other things that happens before being received into the church. Uh, that we need to schedule, make sure that you've got your sponsors, that you've got your baptismal cross, like there's all these little things, uh, I's dotted, T's crossed that we need to make sure. So, uh, we need to get those meetings in and make sure that everything is flowing fine for the next few months, okay? So if somebody is desiring to become a catechumen, they haven't sat down with me, uh, or Deacon Raphael also works. I know Nick, I had to go do some hospital visits this past Tuesday, Nick came and sat down with Deacon Raphael and just kind of talked about uh, general introduction, what's orientation to St. Anne's, some Q&A about orthodoxy. Okay, any questions? I wanna talk about the book real quick. Um, does, anyone, does anyone need a book? Okay, before we leave, let's pick up a, a book, okay, uh, so that you can have one. We're trying to do one per family. If you're if you're if there's somebody in the family who does the underline every single thing that they read, <laughs> and the other spouse is like, please don't make me read after my others. Sp- then let me know, and I can give you another one because I, I get it. Okay, if you buy it on
1: on iPad, uh, especially the Apple edition. It's really easy to take notes you know in it as you go and leave questions and stuff and that's also a way that you could have m- x number of people in the your family all download a different copy do your own notes and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that's another bargain for about
0: seven bucks it's, it's also it's also available in audibles as an audio book if you're an audiobook junkie like i am <laughs> and this would this would translate well this is not a treatise on like the orthodox faith this is uh, Korea, Frederica Matthews Green, they actually live in Johnson City at some point. I hope to have her come and do a retreat uh, specifically for the women but we'll probably have her do another broader com- uh, community-wide uh, talk uh, here in the next few months so you'll be able to meet her too. She's written a lot of books I suggest her other books as well. Uh, let's actually before we hit uh, this next she just look at the annotated bibliography or resources At the very top, you'll see podcasts and audio classes. Ancient Faith has a collection of introductory podcasts for those looking into Orthodoxy. They're curated here. Uh, I'm going to send out, (laughs) I should have done a bitly on this, but this was originally just sent out as a Google Drive thing. So uh, we'll update this with little smaller URLs, but also send you uh, so you can hyperlink there. Ancient faith, if you are into podcasts in general, outside of listening, if you missed something here, or if you want to go back and listen to what we talked about here, uh, I highly suggest diving in, learning as much as you can. Uh, One of the things about Orthodox you very quickly learn is that there is a whole lot to learn because we're talking about 2,000 years of church history, of things to learn. Again, don't get obsessive about just learning for learning's sake, right? All of this, the point is, union with God, right? So the main thing is starting to get into the habits of coming to church, uh, starting morning prayers, evening prayers, uh, starting to, I'll say experiment, but that's not the word I want to use, Uh, initiating yourself into the practice of fasting, because as Americans, we really don't fast. Uh, I know it's really cool now to do intermittent fasting and all this stuff, Uh, but the whole reason why Orthodox fast is different than just losing a few pounds, okay? Um, And we'll talk about this in the book, we'll go into more depth that there's a whole lot of theological uh, reasons for all of this. It's not just empty practices that we do. The the, the church, Israel, was doing all of these things as well. Uh, As you go through these introductory books, I suggest you can read through the Orthodox faith by Father Thomas Hopko. It's available online at the OCA website, the entire set. Uh, we also have them sitting over here. Uh, there's also um, Know the Faith by Father Michael Shan- Shanbor. I just butchered that Arab name. Uh, but this is I especially, I know we have a copy of it over here somewhere, but I suggest this one for those who are coming from a more a, a Protestant evangelical uh, background as he goes through uh, Mostly. If you're coming from a Roman Catholic, it's going to be a little bit different uh, because, well, Roman Catholicism and Protestant Evangelicalism is different. Uh, But this is especially for those who are coming from a Protestant Evangelical background uh, can help if you have questions regarding that. Or maybe you don't have questions, but your mom or your aunt (laughs) is grilling you about X, Y, and Z. Uh, I would suggest that book. There's always me. You can always ask me questions. That's fine too. In there too. Huh? I, yes. <laughs> oh, I had an uncle who emailed me. hadn't talked to him in years. And he's just like, you know, what are you doing? Going Do to you know Orthodox Church because there's all these faithful people who were basically like persecuted by the church. And then he starts naming names. And I'm like, heretic, heretic, <laughs> heretic, Donatist, Montanist, like all of these things. Are like, but you wouldn't have them in your church. Like, why are you citing them as like? Precursors of the faith, but and like Luther and Calvin, like but Luther and Calvin they weren't in the oh, okay <laughs> anyways I'm sure as you process orthodoxy and process out loud uh, with family members you'll get all sorts of different interactions reactions etc a lot of folks just don 't really know that much about orthodoxy they imme- immediately say Roman Catholic or they just think it's Catholic because you have priests and you have saints and but, like, yes, there's a lot of overlap, but there's also, I'm sure those who grew up Roman Catholic, this feels and it, the experience and the emphases are, are different. Um, so, there's also a few others. Uh, Metropolitan Cliso Swearer, he just reposed in Lord uh, a few days ago. His Orthodox Church and Orthodox Way are classics of introduction to Orthodoxy. Um, yeah.
1: Also, frederica.com is Frederica's website and she has free chapters from a lot of her books there which means you can go there and kind of explore a couple of others I've, I've known Frederica and Father Gregory from before they were Orthodox mm-hmm. and her book, I just mentioned this the little book called The Illumined Heart is particularly beloved by women I think it's a, it's a very interesting book And coming into the church male and female is slightly different, there's a lot of different ways that people look at things I wanted to recommend that book in particular. Uh, women find that to be a very good help. the illumined heart.
0: Sorry, we ha- I'm, I'm totally paying attention to what Terry is saying. I'm just looking for we have uh, we've moved a lot of stuff in the past few weeks, uh, but we do have this is behind me is a library of books. Uh, I would ask me. In general, with things in Orthodoxy, you can get yourself into the deep end very quickly and out of your element very quickly. So ask somebody, do you think this is a good book for me to read? And I might say, "Mm, maybe this one that's like the introduction to that theme. Uh, So for example, something like uh, the Philokalia or maybe (laughs) uh, this this is the deep end of the pool and Right now, we're, get, we're getting fitted for our floaties to, and I'm not trying to be demeaning, it's just you don't know what you don't know until you're there and then despondency overwhelms you or, you or you misinterpret something and you fast without eating for like three days and get put into ER because you didn't ask anybody how to fast or you just took it too far. One of the things that we're talking about is Orthodox as a family, like... The reason I'm called Father Daniel is because I have spiritual care, like I am supposed to be the shepherd that the bishop puts here to help you discern, to help you uh, also challenge. So it's not just discernment, but it's also to challenge you, uh, but also to draw you back sometimes and say like, whoa, maybe that's not a good idea, right? Like maybe uh, you need to... When you go to thanksgiving don't refuse to eat the food because it's you know in the middle of the nativity fast and you're like i'm orthodox now and they're all everyone's still like they're jewish or they christian i can't (laughs) but you're like i won't eat your turkey you know and make a scene out of it it's just like that no that's that's not how we do things okay if you go to thanksgiving at your parents house and they put turkey you say thank god pass the gravy okay the next day return to the fast or when you go home you might need to slowly come back to the fast after something like that, right? But just There is wisdom through all of this, and all of this is going to be new, and you need to talk to people. I'm not the only font of wisdom. There are other folks that you can ask. Like the catechists are chosen partly not just because they can teach, but they also, they've been orthodox for a while. They've gone through the ups and downs. They've struggled. They've uh, not just past tense. They do struggle, just like I do. So we all need each other. Uh, We need those who are a little bit ahead of us in the faith to be able to help us along that way. Okay? All right, let's turn to this for those seeking truth. I've got 20 minutes. Okay. This is a condensation. Condensed form, sorry condescension and condensation I always want to mix them up but this is a condensed form I'll just go a different way of saying it of uh, fifty maxims of Father Thomas Hopko, there's 55 maxims I highly encourage you you just google that uh, I might even put it actually into the, the syllabus uh, it is a nice shorthand way to refresh yourself of the basics of what it means to be an orthodox Christian this is a condensed form for those as it says for those seeking truth 12 things to do as a part of your rule of life part of becoming an orthodox christian means that you're basically starting to develop a rule of life uh, a rule means um, basically are you guys familiar with like monastic rules basically a a form right you go to the gym you can start picking up stuff and trying to do stuff but you need some like a personal trainer or somebody to come alongside and like here's a program for you if you actually want uh, to get bigger, bigger muscles, right? Like, I'm joking about mus- muscles, right? You you need form. So Father Thomas Hopko does a great job in kind of laying out for for us, especially those who are catechumens and uh, entering the Orthodox Church, some real baseline things that need to be incorporated into your being about what it means to be a Christian. So... The question about this how can I know God as God really is? How can I know Christ as the way, the truth, and life of God and humanity the life of the world? How can I know the Orthodox Church as the household of God and the pillar and bulwark of the truth, God's kingdom on earth? If you want to find answers for yourself to these questions, you just Google it and look it up on
1: YouTube.
0: So, Reddit, uh, Twitter, Facebook. No. <coughs> maybe you just on your own figure these things out you argue with the people at coffee hour no i'm saying these things because these things happen right this this isn't this is very natural like we're we're raised in a culture i've already kind of alluded to this where classroom or if you're learning about something it all becomes about head knowledge uh but this is wedding your head and your heart together so that they actually, your life is actually transformed and not that you have better arguments with somebody else. By better arguments, I mean you win, right? Like, you've got the score and you know how to lay it out for them. No, if you want to find the answers, who God is, why Christ is the way, the truth, and life of God and humanity, why the Orthodox Church, then we need to turn to Orthodox Christian saints and spiritual teachers who would ask us to do the following things faithfully and honestly as we can all right number one be ready to do whatever it takes to know humbly and courageously do what you are told without questioning it lay aside your will vow to follow what you come to know whatever the cost in many ways kind of echoes the gospel that we had this morning the rich young ruler where there is his knowledge to know his desire to know wasn't really true wanting to know he wanted to figure out how to have eternal life, right? Not to actually enter into the kingdom. So this means that we, with humility, but also with courage, uh, we do things without questioning it. Now, does that mean that Father Daniel becomes tyrant of St. Anne's? Is that what that? Am I... No. <laughs> <laughs> Benevolent dictator is the preferred title. No. What it means is that you are coming with hands open, with mind open, with heart open ready to actually submit yourself to something because a lot of people in regards to church they, we we kind of talk about this, like go church shopping, right? Like Just see which one fits me and that's no, this is the inverse this is the church saying, this is what you need to do to gain eternal life therefore, if you want this you're going to have to submit yourself to it uh, and the only way to do that is by doing it with humility, with some courage, to lay aside your will, and to do what you actually come to know. Whatever the cost. Even that means go and sell everything that you have and follow Jesus. Whatever that is, those possessions, those things that are the weights on you, that you're ready to just let go of them. Now, this is all a long process, right? You're as. You enter into the church, you get to know yourself better. That is the prayer, that is the hope. The question is whether when you get to see yourself in that mirror, are you really ready to say, yeah, I need to repent of that. Yeah, I need to start learning how to let go of that. Or yeah, I need to move a different direction. Two, pray for enlightenment. Even if yours is to say, is to whom it may concern. You know, one of the things about that I've noticed recently back fifteen years ago, most people who are coming to the church were basically churched in some respect. But now uh the percentage of those who are coming to the church who don't have a church background is and by church background I mean like actual familiarity with scripture, like regular churchgoers, it's becoming less. There's a lot of folks who don't have church background who are coming to the church. So They're even kind of trying to understand who God is. It might be somebody who got burnt by church, too, and has been away for a long time and now needs to come back and figure out uh, their relationship with God afresh, a new, different angle so that they can actually maintain faith, because otherwise they couldn't do it before. So pray for enlightenment, even if yours is to whom it may concern at this point. Pray something like this. God, reveal yourself to me as you really are. As you pray, do not look for anything. Let whatever happens happen. What do you think Father Thomas means by as you pray, do not look for anything? Does he mean keep your eyes shut? Don't no.
1: have something specific in mind.
0: Don't have something specific in mind? Like your are preset. Like, I'm praying for this? God, show yourself, but you have to appear to be in the way that I want you to appear. Yes? Don't expect something. What do you mean by that? Um don't expect to receive an immediate answer or yeah. levitation, yeah. lights, <laughs> visions, Athanasius with his hand. Right? We we when we pray, we're not looking for anything, we're only looking for God. Right? We don't want to put up boundaries. We want to preset things. We are asking God to reveal Himself. And that means whatever happens is God's will, and it's happening in order to teach us something. So we need to be aware, be awake, have our hearts open, so that He can reveal Himself. Because God is constantly revealing Himself. The problem is, is we're usually going, wee <laughs> or I want to do my own thing, or whatever. I like food, <laughs> right? <laughs> we just don't have time or space." Number three, while praying this way, God reveal Yourself. Read through the New Testament very slowly, at least three times. Three times might be much. If you can, if you have the time, do it. Take several months to do this. This also means I don't mean uh and Father Thomas doesn't mean intense Bible study where you got your, you know, your lexicons out and maybe you pulled up uh the internet, which now gives you access to all these commentaries. Like just read it. Open-minded, open heart to just read through it. This is the general uh, advice given to people reading books. Period. Right? If you, especially for class, like if you're trying, if you're going to have a study on a book, you need to read through the first time. You're just open. The second time is when you start asking questions. But if you get stuck, you might not get past the Sermon on the Mount because you're like really tearing your hair out about what does he mean about adultery or what does he mean about you know. Praying in the closet. What it was? Does there dimensions to the closet? Like what? Like, (laughs) just read it. Okay. Do not be bothered about what you do not understand, like what I'm saying. But try to put into practice what you do understand. That's the actual hard part, right? This isn't. This catechism class is not going to be a quiz, right? Where we're like, okay, what did Jesus say? Well, the Orthodox Church says, right? There might be a few times I've encouraged the catechist to ask questions directly from the book so that we know that you're reading, because the challenge of the past is folks will come to class and think that's everything, but like, you need to read the book, you need to be engaging all these things. Okay, number four, during this time, go to Orthodox services as often as possible. Just stand or sit there and listen. Do not judge other people in any way. Do not be bothered about what you do not understand. Now, do not be bothered about what you do not understand is easier than don't judge people. It might be easy right now to not judge people when you come to church, because everything's new. Give it about four months. Something's going to start coming up. Somebody's kid. Somebody's voice in the choir. Something I said in a sermon. Something this is taking. Whatever. Services themselves, part of what happens in the depth of the services, that it brings up stuff in the depths of yourself that are not so pretty. So, Come to the services, just exist, open your heart and your mind, listen and pray. Number five, during this time, do not lie about anything. Do not consciously harm anyone. Try to be kind and good to everyone you meet without exception. If possible, do some good work for others, even if just for an hour to a week, as secretly as possible. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? Also, if possible, give away some money secretly to those in need. Alms giving. And he summarizes this as be kind. You would think, okay, this is maybe the easier part, but if you actually step back and like, okay, just like the rich young ruler, like, I haven't stole, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't, you know, murdered anybody, but then you're like, yeah, but I got really angry, and I second looked at that person, and th- 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 right? There's all this stuff that bubbles up. So, Practice being kind to everyone, and go out of yourself to serve or to give. Number six, during this time, if you are not married, do not engage in any sexual acts at all of any kind, even with yourself alone. If you fail in this, put it behind you immediately with a prayer of repentance and start over. Summary, be pure. The Orthodox Church is very clear about uh, sexuality that marriage is between a man and a woman, that is what God has blessed, is where sex happens. Uh, so, this is especially now in our pornified culture, etc. This is a serious challenge for purity. Now is the time to start really going after this. Seek chastity, purity, so that you are not, uh, as I said, like with the rich young ruler this morning, with riches that just deluded him and just warped everything how he saw it. it is the same with bust. It warps everything. Number seven, I'm gonna go back to six one more time. (laughs) So if you fail in this, I wanna emphasize this, put it behind you immediately with a prayer of repentance and start over. One of the challenges with chastity and failing in chastity is despondency and the cycles that addiction have in general, but particularly with the hits that you get in the head when you fail. With chastity, okay? Uh, This is something that if you fail in it, put it behind you, repent. Don't just get stuck in the mire, okay? Get up, get out, return to the Father's house. He's always gonna run out, kill the fatted calf, clothe you, put the ring back up. Like, it's always there, okay? Seven, during this time, do not get drunk, do not eat too much, do not eat unhealthy foods. And try to eat and drink less than normal a couple of days a week. For example, keeping the fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Be sober. At the beginning, you are like, okay, he's already talked about this. And now we're starting to get into some more like meat and potatoes, like harder stuff. This is what it means to find transformation in Christ. As you are seeking him, you also, in order to see him, what does our Lord say in the Sermon on the Mount? Who shall see God? The pure in heart, right? You don't get the purity because you just think, I'm going to have a pure heart, I'm going to have a pure heart, and then you just live your life in any normal way that you had. No, it means, as Paul talks about, I have to buffet my body, like I actually have to discipline my body. So that means chastity, that means being sober, washing what I eat, what I drink, what I intoxicate myself with. I would also say, let's see here, I should add something to this. On this, be sober. Do not spend too much screen time, okay? Don't be wed to your smartphone or to the television, but turn it off, all right? This flows into number eight. During this time, sit in total silence at least 10 to 15 minutes a day, or even up to 30 minutes a day if you can, watching the thoughts that come to your mind and letting them go with a prayer God, enlighten my mind. God, help me with this. God, help these people who come to mind. Summarizes: be quiet and reach out to God. Part of our addiction and part of our challenges uh, is that we just have too much going on and we've got to simplify and we've got to calm our hearts and just be and let God be. Going back to that, that earlier, to allow him to enlighten us, it means that we have to actually give him the time and space for him to enlighten us. Nine, during this time, try to speak as little as possible without irritating others. <laughs> that might mean about silence for some of <laughs> us, right? Do not try to make your opinions known or accepted in conversations unless asked. Listen to others, be attentive to their presence and their needs. Do not argue with anyone about anything. I'm sure you all know that meme where there's a guy sitting at uh, his computer and he's like typing away and his wife's like it's bedtime what are you doing he's like there's somebody wrong on the internet <laughs> 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 We all and this is one of this, this is especially in confession as we're trying to seek out God and we're simplifying things and we're trying to actually fulfill the commandments of God that we start to realize these little bit more deceptive things, or like where we're deluded about, like, I don't have pride, but like I have to have the last word in every single conversation. Or I have to have conversations which I'm getting the affirmation back that I seek, uh, that I have to make whatever my thought is, whatever my impression is, I have to let somebody know. This could be in person. This could be oversharing on the internet, or just wanting to argue with people on the internet, or just wasting your time frivolously. Listen and be attentive. That might mean having coffee with a friend and just in a way just like, I'm just here to listen to them. Say like make, some of these things, you have to actively seek out and do these things, right? Some of these things aren't just gonna naturally happen. You have to actually go out of yourself to do these things. Number 10, during this time, find someone that you fully trust and share with that person your thoughts, feelings, dreams, hang-ups, compulsions in detail. Do not, however, go into detail about sexual things or about other people. Discuss in detail your family of origin and your childhood experiences, good and bad. Focus on what memories distress and sadden you and what memories bring you joy. Be accountable. In a way, this is kind of a preparation for confession. Confession. But it's also the reality that we really, and this isn't just talking about like you and a priest. This is about you being known by others because you can't be who you are, who God wants you to be, who God made you to be, without being known by others. So what this is encouraging you to do is to actually be known. Actually uh, expose those things to others so that you can be known. And there's good advice here too. Don't go into detail about sexual things. You don't need to do that. And what usually happens, I don't know about you, guys, what happens very often, especially with closer friends, you get together and what do you talk about? Other people, right? Don't do that. That is probably one of the hardest things. That usually means that we probably need to just go and do something else. We just sit around and talk about other people, right? Number 11. During this time, do a checklist of possible food, alcohol, drug, and sex addictions, and other addictions that you may think you have. For example, <coughs> rage, gambling, or shopping, and I'm going to put internet, or s- smartphone, okay? If you see that you're addicted in some way, <coughs> seek help, and possibly, if you need to, enter a treatment program. This is serious, Okay. So, 12, during this time, do your work or your studies to the best of your ability, carefully, responsibly, conscientiously, and devotedly. Live a day, even part of the day, at a time. Sufficient to the day, right? That's all you need to worry about. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus fully on what you're doing at the given moment. So I highly suggest revisiting this uh, throughout the catechumenate. Uh, I would suggest, especially this week, as you start reading Frederick and Matthew's Green Book, that you start reading through your New Testament. Uh, if we might need to do... Most everyone we need to have probably will do that second uh, pastoral visit with me soon so we can start talking about a prayer rule because we need to start talking about uh, what we need to do in regards to a prayer rule. What I'll do is create a basic prayer rule I think Lynn and I I think we did create something and I'll have to just go go back and look formally to where to start out somewhere because if you just pick up an orthodox prayer book and if you don't have one already uh you're welcome to buy one but we can provide you with something that you don't need to buy a prayer book yet because you can just pick up an orthodox prayer book and like I'm gonna do evening prayers Uh, and then you're 15 minutes in and you're just like what did I just start? I'm going <laughs> to yeah. stop. Because it's, yeah. it presumes that you've grown up in the church. It presumes it's also like a monastic cell rule. So what they would do outside of the services in their own cell is actually where a lot of these things come from. So we, I, we have a edited form down towards more manageable, especially when you talk about navigating as a family with kids. So my family, for example, we sing a good portion of it, and it's very short because our kids can't handle more than that. Okay? That doesn't mean my prayer rule needs to be different than that. Like, I need more than that. But all of these things in general, if you have questions about prayer rule fasting, is something that you need to consult with me so that we can come up with a rule for you to be able to follow. Are there any questions?
1: I just wanted to clarify <coughs> New King's ja- New King James Version.
0: Of the Bible? Sure. I mean, I, I, mean, <laughs> uh,
1: I was going to ask a different question. The same thing, but a different way. Which sure. version?
0: <laughs> Which version of the Bible? So... The Greek. (laughs) (laughs) There's also recension. (laughs) 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 There is a recension actually. of The Constantinopolitan like version of the New Testament that is the manuscript tradition that is used in the Orthodox Church. You can find that. It's kind of a wooden translation. There is translation into uh, English of that. But New King James is fine. RSV is fine. I don't really suggest. I mean, ESB is fine. Like, I think CSB, ESB, I said ESB, ESB, CSB, these are fine. NIV is not so hot for multiple reasons. Some of the translation stuff in there is just suspect. Uh, don't like what is the Jehovah's Witness Bible? The world? Watchtower. Yeah, don't worry about that one. <laughs> uh, but if you just stick with the New King James Version, that's actually what is up. If you go on the OCA website, if you're wondering about the lectionary. Uh, the OCA website has the lectionary on it, and it's almost all just New King James. The real challenge for Orthodoxy is the Old Testament, which we use the Septuagint, which is not the Masoretic, which almost all Protestant Bibles that we have easy access to are all based off the Hebrew of the Masoretic text, versus the Septuagint, which is what the Orthodox Church uses liturgically, and etc. Septuagint means the Greek translation. So. We don't want to get into the weeds too much. Don't worry too much about that. <laughs> there are English language Septuagint that exist, but go a, a little known one that I don't if you've run
1: into yet. The English standard version is the classic RSV, left alone, without any of the gender neutral stuff and other things that have been added to it. And you can get that for like next to nothing online. And um, it's called what English? English.
0: English standard, standard version, version.
1: There's but also there's an Orthodox study Bible up here
0: if you want to glance at it and just see. Yeah, that, that's a show. That's just the New King James version. Yeah, that
1: is a fantastic. That is a fantastic tool if you don't have a Bible and you're going to
0: get one. Uh, the footnotes and and they're just I mean a, a lot of us knew the people that worked on it like like worked on the footnotes and that and and a lot of them were Protestant pastors who really know how to. Bring a lot of these orthodox concepts home to, uh, to to people that are outside the church. Any other questions? All right, let's end with prayer. <coughs> well, let's stand up for me. Lord, now let us thou thy servants depart in peace, according to thy word. mine eyes is in the salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Alive, to enlighten the Gentiles. In the glory of thy people, Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you all.